smartcast you're listening to a hindustan times production brought to you by hd smartcast welcome to season 2 of our podcast kicks for free in which we discuss all things football i am dhiman and with me is my co-host vivek messi It was a night for substitutes on Sunday night as the Germany versus Spain game ended in a 1-1 draw while Luis Enrique reacted first by bringing on Alvaro Morata and was rewarded with a goal in the 62nd minute Germany's Niklas Fulkrug equalized in the 83rd to ensure both teams share the points uh, the man a draw was a fair result do you think given the balance of play yeah both teams missed chances uh, they had come close as uh, hansi flick pointed out to us after the game had leroy sane taken that chance you couldn't really have faulted germany and said that they were not deserving winners so yeah on the face of it on the balance of the contest i think the draw was a fair result yes right right uh i think both teams especially like uh, morata as soon as he came on his movement up front seemed to be excellent uh, he looks really sharp which is a good thing for spain going forward right Yeah I always have a lot of time for players like Morata and Giroud you know they are not usually ones who are uh, uh, talked about uh, their misses get highlighted more often than their uh, contribution but you see coaches have a lot of faith in them these people work their socks off and as Morata said uh, after the game yesterday is he's just a soldier in the squad and he was asked whether you know does he like it coming on as substitutes in a world cup he said i'm just glad to be part of this and you know playing one minute for spain is an honor it is so difficult to make it to the team. you know all the right things that a team player should says uh, players like morata and giru they work for the team they often do not get the headlines like an efficient center forward or a striker would but because they work for the team the coaches have a lot of time for them so it is nice to have players like that who contribute to the collective so i think morata is looking sharp here but even otherwise the reason for him in the team is that one he's possibly the only number 9 kind of player that spain has uh, and two is that you know he works so hard i think that is the reason why coaches keep him in the team he was there in the euros he's here i think that is why uh, coaches prefer players like him and giru uh for germany too the substitution seemed to really work uh, leroy sane of course i think he's been carrying an injury which is why he probably didn't start yesterday yes, but uh, he looked as much yeah yeah he looked uh, very sharp and created quite a few chances i think once he came on which uh, hopefully if he starts the next game might help them in the game against uh, costa rica Yeah, well, uh, as Flick said, and he was not sure whether Sane would be able to maintain that level of intensity, which is why he didn't start him. Yes, he is not fully fit. Uh, I think he made a triple substitution in the seventieth minute, and among them was uh, Fulkrug. And again, what a story that guy is! He was playing in the second division Bundesliga a year from yesterday. and then he comes and scores a goal in a world cup one that could revive germany's campaign one that is so important in the context of the competition that it will be talked about for a long long time uh, you know it just tells you if you keep at it and uh, if you keep believing yourself things happen and the world cup is full of such storylines look at mitchel duke 
uh, he plays in the Japan second division. And then he comes and scores a goal in the World Cup, which gives Australia a win. They're first in 12 years. Now, these are stories that are possible only in the World Cup. These are stories that you don't get to see in the Champions League. These are stories that you don't get to see in the in the Premier League or the top five leagues of Europe. It is it is in the World Cup where things like these happen. And that's what makes the World Cup such a fascinating competition. Right. Uh, Diman, Germany have been helped by Costa Rica beating Japan. As long as they beat Costa Rica and Spain, I guess, get past Japan, the two European giants should advance. Do you think that's how it will pan out? But Japan, I was speaking to a person from the Japanese JFA contingent here. Uh, I mean, as in part of their official media team. And she was telling me that, you know, we are not getting very carried away by what happened against Germany. Great result and all that. But we have had a few lessons from World Cups. I hope we've learned them well. She was obviously referring to the heartbreak against Belgium in 2018. The thing is, Japan went into the game expecting to seal a round of 16 birth. This was against a team that had taken in seven goals. The morale would obviously be down, etc. And Japan started on the front foot. Costa Rica, surprisingly, for a team that needed to win to sort of stay in the competition, they couldn't afford anything. Uh, Even a draw wouldn't do because they had taken in seven goals. Surprised many by starting very defensively. They had battened down hatches. They were just trying to protect their goal. Uh, But it also meant that Japan was not getting any space. So for all the domination that they were having up to the front third, they were not really being able to translate that. Uh, One or two half chances in the first half. And then in the second half, Costa Rica get a break, a lucky break, because there's one clearance they try and make. It doesn't happen. The ball falls kindly for a player. He passes to Fuller. And the goalkeeper, because he was possibly not expecting that uh, ball to come to Fuller, was out of his position. And then he gets a hand to it, but he does not get enough. So it's a... It's an error on both sides. Two errors that contribute to a goal and Costa Rica win the game. Now, that really turned out to be a surprise and it has now meant that Japan uh, could be in for another heartbreak. Though, uh, the coach uh, Moriyasu uh, was sounded confident, looked straight in the eye of the reporter who asked that question and said, we want to beat Spain. And we are here to qualify after three games, not two. Now, that was putting up a brave face or whether it was talking about a deep, deep conviction in the team's abilities that we'll find out in the due course of time. Croatia, meanwhile, put in a dominant display despite going behind early in the game. Alfonso Davis scored from a header as early as the second minute, uh, the fastest goal of this World Cup. But Croatia grew into the game and emerged comfortable 4-1 winners. After a draw against Morocco, this was much needed for Croatia. Yeah, um, you know, they hadn't scored against Morocco. This was an old team. This was a team full of players who were in their 30s. So questions were being asked. And and then you start off by, you know, taking a goal in the second minute. It was uh, a super goal, actually. I mean, Alfonso Davies, the way he attacked the ball and produced that header, it uh, stunned them for a while. And uh, Canada, the thing about Canada was their exuberance. They they showed it against Belgium and they showed it here too. Uh, they were fizzing all over the place. Their forwards were, you know, really rattling Croatia uh, early in the game. But then this is the reason why they've played a World Cup final and, uh, you know, they've played a World Cup semi-final. They know what it is to be on this stage. They have players who win Champions League uh, as a matter of habit. 
they took charge of the game because i think you know canada it was the midfield it was the croatian midfield that took charge of the game and once that happened uh, they were putting a lot of pressure on the croatia backline and it was just a matter of time before they scored and once it's 2-1 up at half time you know then uh, again it was a case of canada not being able to track runs that croatia were making from the deep not being able to track players leaving their positions and suddenly attacking a ball the they really were not in the game for most of it uh, after that first goal and maybe 15 minutes it was croatia all the way canada did have a few chances long rangers uh, but that was it so i think i think 4-1 uh, was a fair result and it will give croatia a lot of confidence that you know they are in the mix they have got goals the players have got a convincing win and uh, you know except for canada now all all teams are alive in that group but they would fancy their chances of going through croatia would right uh, as you mentioned apart from canada all the other teams are still in with a chance but uh, things have got really complicated for belgium uh, they were pretty listless in the in the 2-0 uh, defeat to morocco yesterday uh, we did speak about uh, belgium demand yesterday as well and spoke about how the senior players have already admitted that the golden generation is past their best but they would surely want to do better than what they have so far they are the second ranked side in the world uh, according to the fifa rankings but uh, aren't quite producing the goods so far yeah i take back what i said yesterday basically i thought that you know they're talking about the the golden generation having passed its prime is a question of you know team trying to take the pressure of itself as it turns out there's a lot of truth in that statement and yeah. uh, it is not just uh, them saying this to get into a game without uh, additional pressure uh you are right belgium were listless uh, they did not look to have much ideas and uh, even if they do get out of the group unless they really turn things around this is not looking good for belgium at all it's peculiar really that you know for a team that is ranked consistently high they're ranked number 2 now they don't really do well in tournaments i do not understand why the golden generation is a point but uh, you know it's not as if they are just golden i mean they do have younger players but uh, they are they are a mystery really in world cups and in european championships uh, they never are able to impose themselves i remember in the european championships uh, italy kind of controlled and dominated the game and they had no answer i think one goal from lukaku just before half time or just after half time and uh, that was it here they're not really the game against canada they were lucky to win and yesterday they were flat so i am not very sure as to how far this generation the final dance of this generation is going to go uh, they might still get out of the group but it's not looking good for belgium at all they have lost seven of their last 19 matches so yeah this has been coming right. for a while right. yeah right yeah, uh, this has been coming for yeah. a while Uh, Deman, moving on to today's matches, Brazil are facing Switzerland, and there's also Portugal and Uruguay. Uh, I wanted to start with Brazil. Neymar, of course, we know that he's missing the game, but uh, I think probably different from previous World Cups is that there's not as much uh, spotlight on just Neymar. So, uh, given the wealth of attacking options, I don't think there's as much concern about one star player missing, right? Which is a difference from say 2014. 
True, true. But the thing is, uh, I'm very interested in seeing how Brazil line up today and who plays in Neymar's position. Uh, will it be Jesus? Because you can't take out Richarlison. Or do they realign the team and uh, do something else? I'm, I'm keen on seeing that. And you're right, but because there is not much, there's not so much riding on Neymar this time, it is also important for Brazil to make a point today just to tell people that, you know, they can do it without Neymar too. And just to tell themselves that they can do it without Neymar too. Uh, it is one thing to do it in uh, South American qualifiers. It is one thing to do it in the Copa. Uh, but uh, it is it is important for Brazil to be able to show the world they are just as good a team without Neymar. And that, I think, is going to be the most interesting aspect of the game tonight. I'm going to a game in a few hours that is uh, the uh, Cameroon and uh, Serbia. So I'm I'm looking right. forward to that game. The, the World Cup games happen so fast that yeah. days and stadiums you just they are a blur. I keep going to the same stadium and I don't remember which way the media center is and how to make my way to the Tribune. I keep <laughs> asking because is because by evening you've gone to another stadium. Yeah. And even though that looks familiar, it's kind of vaguely familiar. So yeah, I'm going to that game now and I'm very interested in seeing how Serbia react. Uh, to the loss against Brazil, it was no shame to lose 2-0. They really had their moments and they contained Brazil in the first half. But it is one thing to play a team like Brazil, where you know that you'll not have a lot of the ball. And another to play a team like Cameroon, where you need to take the game to them. So I'm I'm curious to see how Serbia make their transition and how Cameroon recover from their loss. The Embolo goal against Switzerland now, uh, a goal that he did not celebrate because he's born in Cameroon. So that is one game I'm going to now. And, and at night, I'll be at the Brazil game. You know, the, the Brazil thing for me is this. There's been so much around the team. There's been so much. They, the team is trying to reclaim its jersey, which was kind of appropriated by Bolsonaro, who then lost the elections. Uh, there are players in the team, Richarlison, for instance, uh, who advocated vaccines at a time when their country's political dispensation did not take COVID seriously. So this is a team that is also, in a way, making a political statement in a World Cup that has been so full of them. Now, but all of that will only matter if you deliver on the pitch. So to be able to do that without the talismanic Neymar, who, by the way, has gone on record showing his support for Bolsonaro, which is not added to his popularity stakes. The local media, the Brazilian media will tell you that he does not really talk to them much. Whatever he has to say, he puts it out on social media. So he is not exactly the most approachable person in the Brazil football setup now. With, you know, with all these things, how does Brazil cope without him there is something that this evening's game is going to tell us. Yeah, it will be interesting to see who comes in for Neymar. I think uh, Casemiro in his press conference yesterday hinted towards Rodrigo being a possible starter. But as you mentioned, there's mm-hmm. also Gabriel Jesus and uh, there's two or three ways that Chiche can go. So, that will be interesting yeah. to see. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's also Portugal-Uruguay. Uh, quick thoughts on, on that game. Obviously, Portugal eventually beat Ghana comfortably. Uh, do you think they'll face a sterner test against the Uruguayans? Yeah, they will. They will. Because uh, Uruguay, again, is a team that is very experienced at this level. Yes, they are counting a lot on uh, players who are old. Uh, Suarez and Cavani, to name but a couple. The thing with Portugal, what I liked about their first game was they actually are now finding a way 
to sort of not depend too much on Ronaldo for the goals. And they are a team that has so many attacking options that that can only be a good thing. Uh, I, I noticed, you know, they were, they were most dangerous when Ronaldo was dropping off. And when he was dropping off, he was taking a player with him and there would be either a Bruno Fernandes or a Joao Felix who would be moving into those positions. And that was catching Ghana by surprise. So if Portugal can continue doing that, then they, I think, become a bigger threat because then the opposition team does not know whom to take on. Uh, Ronaldo is always a danger, but then Ronaldo drops off, there is space created, somebody else moves in and you, you, know, you take that split second more to react to what's happening around you and Portugal may score. Nothing happened on those lines in the first game, but they were showing, there were indications that it could. And that to me is the most important thing about Portugal. They are, they are coming to terms, it seems, to a time when there will be no Ronaldo, but they have so many attacking options that they should be able to get by. But it, it should be an interesting game. Do not discount Uruguay and their individual abilities and their doggedness in defence. Uh, so so it'll be a, it could be a tough, bruising game for Portugal too. And it's not something that... Uh, I, don't see, I don't see a winner there. I don't see uh, a team going into that game as uh, absolute favourites, really. I don't. That was it for this episode. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us on our Twitter handles at Vivek9301 and at DemanHT. If you're a true football fan, you cannot not subscribe to Kickoff, our weekly newsletter on the world game which hits inboxes every Friday. For more updates on this podcast, follow HT Smartcast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn. And to listen to more such podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.